This talk was given by Gokhan Bonabakar at Zen Mountain Monastery. Gokhan is a senior monastic in the Mountains and Rivers Order and coordinator for the National Buddhist Prison Sangha. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or to find out more about our retreats and residency programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. From the Buddhist teaching on the eight awarenesses, knowing how to be satisfied, knowing how to take, how much to take of those things which one already has is called knowing how to be satisfied. The Buddha says, you practitioners should contemplate knowing just knowing how to be satisfied if you wish to be liberated from suffering. The Dharma of knowing how to be satisfied is the realm of riches, comfort, peace, and tranquility. Those who know how to be satisfied are happy and comfortable even when sleeping on the ground. Those who do not know how to be satisfied are not satisfied even when dwelling in a heavenly palace. Those who do not know how to be satisfied are poor even though they are wealthy, while those who know how to be satisfied are wealthy, even though they have little. Those who do not know how to be satisfied and are always tempted by the five desires are consoled by those who know how to be satisfied. This is called knowing how to be satisfied. So knowing how to be satisfied. This could sound like settling, could sound um, almost negative, This is not about just accepting things as they are. It feels important to be clear that in this time when there is demand for change, need for change, inside and, and out, this is not saying just learn to be satisfied. We don't come to practice to learn just to be satisfied with the way things are, with the way things have been, We come to practice because out of some faith that there is another way. There must be another way. This is a teaching that the Buddha is offering about acceptance, about complete acceptance. I think it's fairly easy to understand this teaching as it applies to things. Oriyoki, taking just, just what we need. I was remembering a monastic some years ago hearing that she had said that five pairs of pants was the appropriate amount of pants for a monastic to have. And there's something to that, right? The struggle's over. There's no desire there. I'm satisfied. There's a lot of suffering that comes from our wanting, wanting more, not being satisfied with what we have. Maizumi Roshi, in his commentary to this teaching, says, points to what I think is more, more fundamental in this. He says, if we know how to be satisfied with the way we are, with the way we are, right now, right here, that's all there is to know. So to be satisfied with the way we are right now, right here, What is this? How is this not settling? Not just accepting things as they are. How do we arrive at this place, this place where we already are? And this is a radical teaching. You know, I'm I'm, um, 
um, I'm struck now and then. It's sort of like I realize how radical the teachings are. It's easy to miss because it's so close, so ordinary. The radical transformation that practice can bring. And it's just, just so here. We can miss it. It's not what we imagine it will be. Just knowing how to be satisfied. Mizumi Roshi, in talking about this teaching, talks about orioki. He says, O means response. Ryo means amount. Ki is container. It's the container which holds the amount necessary to respond to the given need. All of us are orioki. All of us are containers which carry the necessary amount. Some larger, some smaller. It's not a question of which is right or which is wrong, better or worse. A large thing is a large thing. A small thing is a small thing. That is to say, all of us are the Buddhas. And if we understand that, it is not a matter of being satisfied or dissatisfied. Our life is a totally self-contained, sufficient thing. Becoming aware of this is wisdom. All of us are the Buddhas, he says. Each one of us is Buddha. What does it mean to be Buddha? Remembering the first time that I went to Dokusan with Dada Roshi, I asked him, so are you a Buddha? I thought I was being pretty bold, but he was not phased. He said, yes, and so are you. And I didn't have anything else to say. You know, and Dido, um, Dido was not perfect. I had issues with Dido. There were things that I saw he had not resolved in himself. But he knew Buddha. Over and over again, he told me, trust yourself. Trust yourself. He trusted me more than I trusted myself. He saw me as Buddha. I overheard Ojin Sensei talking with someone on the phone a while ago, saying, when someone comes into Daisan, I see them as Buddha. It's your job to see yourself as Buddha. This is so healing to be seen this way. There were a lot of times going into Dokusan with with Daidoroshi where I didn't feel like he really even understood what I was trying to say. But coming out, I would realize something had happened. Something had happened. I was, I was more in touch with my wholeness. And it's disconcerting sometimes to be seen this way. It's not how we're used to seeing ourselves. It's like, don't you see what you're missing? Don't you see my faults that I see? Mostly we see ourselves as our conditioned karmic self. We see our habits, our desires, all of the different thoughts, emotions, our judgments, 
of ourselves, of all of these things that are moving through us, of each other. We see what we consider to be our faults. How could this self that we see be Buddha? The Burmese master Ajahn Shah talked about taking the one seat. He says, just go into the room and put one seat in the center. Take the one seat in the center of the room. Open the doors and windows and see who comes to visit. You'll witness all kinds of scenes and actors, all kinds of temptations and stories, everything imaginable. Your only job is to stay on your seat. You will see it all arise and pass, and out of this, wisdom and understanding will come. How is it that wisdom and understanding comes from just sitting on our seat, just maintaining this one seat? What does he mean by taking the one seat? How do you take your seat? How do you take your seat with your body so that you can listen with your body, be present and inside your body? How do you let your minds sit? We all know these scenes and actors and temptations, all the stories, how powerful they can be, how disturbing they can be. How do we say stay on our one seat? It takes courage to stay on that seat and just whatever, allow whatever comes in to come in, to see it actually be with it, and to stay on your seat. Again, what does that mean to stay on your seat as all of these visitors come and go? How do we stay with our practice? Well, we keep the doors and the windows open. Jack Kornfield, who studied with Ajahn Chah, he says, when we take the one seat on our meditation cushion, we become our own monastery. We create the compassionate space that allows for the arising of all things. Sorrow, loneliness, shame, desire, regret, frustration, happiness. This isn't easy to do. This is going against the stream, against our habits, our deep-seated habits. We don't want to encounter most of these things. Anything uncomfortable and unfamiliar. We may not be comfortable with joy, happiness, ease, because it's not familiar, because we're not accustomed. And taking the one seat helps us to do this. Sashin helps us to do this. Our Zazen practice allows us to do this. And it's in developing concentration, actually allowing our minds to be settled, to settle, that allows us to see more, to let in more, to see below the distraction, the reacting. We don't choose what comes in through the windows and doors. We don't get to choose that. We don't get to choose the barriers that we face, that we encounter, what we struggle with. But we do have choice about how we 
how we encounter, how we work with what does come in through the windows. The Buddha gave some instructions on, on working with hindrances, working with things that hinder us, that cause us difficulty, that cause us struggle, suffering. His first instruction was to know when a hindrance is present and to know when it is absent. Just to know what is arising in your body-mind. What's happening. Know when there is desire. Know when there's self-criticism. Know when there's anger. I wanted to talk about self-acceptance, acceptance and self-criticism, because I think it's such an important thing for a lot of us and has been an important part of my path, was has been such a deep source of suffering and of transformation. And so, in looking at this first instruction from the Buddha, I was remembering what an ordeal Sishin used to be for me, what a struggle it was. And for a long time, I didn't know why. It was just struggle. I couldn't see what was happening. I couldn't see the hindrance. I couldn't see the constant criticism, self-criticism. And then for a long time, it was only during Sashin that I could hear that. It was only when my mind had settled, when I had found some concentration, that I could hear what I was saying to myself. And then to be able to see what that was doing, what I was doing to myself, the effect a sense to feel it in my body, not just to hear it, to realize that this was the struggle. This is why I was so uncomfortable. And so the Buddha's first instruction in working with a hindrance is simply to know when a hindrance is present. Just know what's happening in your mind. There's no instruction here to do anything, to get rid of anything, Just know your mind. Just know what's happening. Just come into contact with your body-mind experience. Directly. Directly. His second instruction is to know what causes such a hindrance to arise and what causes such a hindrance to pass away. Study that. Pay attention. Stay with it. Feel it in your body-mind. Where did it come from, this hindrance? Is it in your voice? Can you hear what it's saying? What the effect is? Can you see how the story is perpetuated? So for me, it took a while to have enough space to start to see what was happening not just to hear what I was saying, but to see the effect, feel the effect, to hear that it was, in fact, my voice. It wasn't anyone else's voice. I may have learned some of that from other people, but it was my voice. It wasn't coming from anywhere else. It was hard to see how it passed away. It, w- it wasn't passing away. It didn't pass away. I didn't know how to, st- how to let it pass away. I didn't really want it to. It was so familiar. 
I didn't know any other way of being with myself, being myself. But I was doing zazen, and I was learning how to let go. There were other thoughts I was letting go of. So I knew that. I knew that was possible, that things would loosen, could loosen. I could let this go, change that habit. And so interesting to notice that in the Buddhist instruction still, there's no instruction to get rid of anything or to judge it or really to do anything. Just know what causes the hindrance to arise. Know what causes it to pass away. Investigate. Study this. Know directly. Know for yourself. So we can do that. We can investigate letting go. What is that? How does, how does that, what is that experience? You can't even explain it, but you can experience that. What is that? And we can investigate holding on, being with the hindrance, facing the barrier, struggling. Know that too. Staying on the one seat allows us to be close with our experience. Experience what we're creating. Experience things passing away. How do things pass away? How do we let go? What is that? The Buddha still hasn't really even given us that instruction. Just know to do anything. Just know that things pass away. I was talking to one of the residents about some of this last week and um, some of Tara Brock's teachings. She's a therapist and a Buddhist teacher. And, um, and I was asking, you know, what, what's, what's, what's her teaching on this? And he was talking about, she says to recognize. She talks about acceptance. And I was like, well, how about letting go? Right? There needs to be letting go, right? There needs to be undermining the habit, loosening the habit, withdrawing energy from the habit. And he said, well, what's the difference between acceptance and letting go? I said, thank you. <laughs> My Zumi Roshi said, if we know how to be satisfied with how we are right now, right here, that's all there is to know. You know, Tai Sensei used to say, things are going. We just have to let them. Don't do anything. Don't push them away. Don't judge. Don't get involved. They're going. Just let them. Allow them to self-liberate. We can be gentle. The Buddha's final instruction in working with a hindrance is to know what prevents the arriving, arising of a hindrance. And I feel less clear about this instruction, about what he means. Things change. Things change. There is transformation. There is letting go. You know, when I think about working with self-criticism and 
that struggle for so many years, I actually can't really remember that voice. It's like someone that I knew a long time ago, and I can kind of call up their face in my mind. At some point, I, I saw into the root of it, and it and liberated it in me. So there is insight that causes, prevents the arising of a hindrance. And fear and insecurity, I know in my body, that's the same fear and insecurity that I was working with so many years ago. I know it very differently. It turns over in my belly and I'm afraid that I'll be seen in my inadequacy. That I'll be, do something wrong. I pay attention to that. And sometimes that feeling can just move through me. And it's okay. It's just that feeling that I know in myself. Sometimes I am exposed. What I'm afraid of happens. And I try to pay attention. See that I don't die, which I think is actually the fear. It's actually relief sometimes. So maybe this is part of what the Buddha is speaking about. That we can be freer with the hindrances that arise. We can be skillful with them. We can be not controlled. I've talked about this teaching on being satisfied before. I was drawn back to this teaching on knowing how to know ourselves, knowing how to accept ourselves, not getting rid of anything, not rejecting anything. How do we find this? How do we practice in a way that leads to acceptance? That's not cutting off, not avoiding. That allows us to stop fighting. Koto Boyd Sensei, who's a teacher in the White Plum, she says, the key is compassion for and curiosity about who we are. The only thing that can make us uncomfortable with being alone is not liking who we are. That's what we do when we face the wall. We face who we are. Being okay with however that arises is the most compassion and the most honesty you can ever offer yourself to just accept yourself as you are. Even if you don't like it, that's okay. Because not okay is always a practice gate. We can always include what we don't like in ourselves. But letting go of worrying about having to become perfect That's a gift that we give to ourselves. Whatever we need to adjust about ourselves so that we're in accord with the way things are, those are things that we can, those are changes that we can make. But first we have to be honest about how we are. And solitude allows that. Solitude allows us to be honest about how we are. Zazen allows that. Sashin allows that. This is taking the one seat. What happens when we're truly honest about how we are? 
without judgment, without fear. Tadaroshi used to say over and over again, each one of us is perfect and complete. What is this perfect, this complete? Koto Sensei says we can offer ourselves the gift of not worrying about being perfect. And so I was thinking about this with service positions. I've been giving a lot of instruction. I get to see that from this, from a different side and both sides. What is it that we're learning about ourselves when we get instruction? More this way, more that way, softer, a little faster, a little slower. Listen to the spacing. Remembering years ago when I was doing first attendant during a session, and I really wanted to do it well. And I thought I was doing it really well. And towards the end of the week, at the end of a service, Miyotai Sensei says, you know, you're hitting that kind of hard. It kind of hurts. And I so admired her. And I, it was like all I could, I almost, it's all I could do not to cry. Why is that so painful? What is that? It's hurt. It's how I hit the bell, who I am. What is perfect, perfect and complete? We may look at nature and see perfection when we slow down and get close to a flower, a blade of grass, a frog. Stop and just look. Just be with that. Just let it in. We see what it is to be perfect what Dido meant about complete. A frog is completely a frog, a miraculous creation. Just sitting there radiating its frogness in each speck, in each part. There's no, no doubt about the perfection about the completeness. And I'm pretty sure that the frog has no doubt either. Dogen says, no creature fails to cover the ground it stands on. No creature. I've been thinking about chipmunks. There are a lot of chipmunks this year. And they move very quickly, although some of us have noticed that they don't, some of them don't seem to run away, actually. They don't seem to be as afraid of people as they maybe should be. So sometimes I get a look at a chipmunk. It'll stop on the path. One will stop on the path ahead of me, and I'll stop, and we'll look at each other for a few long seconds, maybe. So imagine that you could get like eight or ten chipmunks to stand still so that you could look at each one of them closely. Take each of them in. Take each of them in. See each one in their complete perfection. You take this one in. It's perfect. Take this one in. It's perfect. Take this one in. It's perfect. But if they were to stand there long enough, 
so that we could take them in, so that you could take them in, you'd also see that each one would be different. One would be a little smaller, one a little larger. Their markings would be a little bit different. Maybe one has a scar, is missing a toe. If you got to know them, you'd probably see that they have different personalities, different habits, different ways of being. And so seeing their differences, would one start to be more perfect than the other? Would one start to be less perfect than another? Would you start to have a favorite and a least favorite? What's happened? How does that happen? Have the chipmunks changed? Is any one of them no longer complete? Why is it that we're more likely to see perfection in nature, in an animal, than in a human? When you see a group of people or a photo with a group of people in it, do you ever have the experience of saying, oh, look, that one, perfect. That one, perfect. That one, perfect. How do we see ourselves? Mazumi Roshi again. He says, knowing ourselves, even though our body, our existence is finite, we can see that our life is nothing but the life of the whole world. We are the Dharma ourselves, the Dharma we already have. So in fact, as we live our lives, as we live the Dharma, we each consider how much we are supposed to take. We just know how to be satisfied. It's a very simple topic, and yet if we think about it dualistically, it's not at all an easy thing to do. But in any case, the more we understand ourselves, the more we know how to be satisfied with our life. Learning how to be satisfied learning to accept ourselves, love ourselves, that that allows us to accept others, love others, getting to know our suffering, a sense to accept our suffering, to know how we struggle. We can know that others struggle and suffer in similar ways, experiencing change, transformation, seeing that our suffering can shift. We know others can do that too. So we have this amazing opportunity this week. We're really still just entering session. If you haven't entered session, enter session fully. Take that one seat. If you're at home, take your one seat and make it your monastery. Take your one seat and occupy it fully. And let's practice with gentleness. Let's practice acceptance, complete acceptance. Thanks for listening. Did you know that Zen Mountain Monastery is live streaming all Dharma talks and daily zazen during the coronavirus quarantine? Visit our website to learn about all the online programs being offered at this time. Just go to zmm.org and click on the link at the very top of the page. 
or scroll down and click on Retreats. 